Uh, you guys had a busy New Year yet? Just raise your hand if it's been a very busy awesome. All right, very cool. Uh, it's been busy for me, too. Um, did a couple of weddings. Did one, two on New Year's Eve, which I guess technically is last year, but still. Uh, and uh, one was in Manhattan, and one was actually in our living room, which uh, didn't start out that way. Um, but uh, I got a call when I was in Manhattan. They were like, hey, can we move it to your house? So somewhere the transition between me alerting her and uh, I talked to, to my son, who actually was his uh, in-laws. They were, they were getting married again, and it's very cool. Not like, I mean, like literally getting married again, not renewing vows or whatever. It was, it was pretty cool. But he had called and said they wanted to move it to our house, and uh, I don't quite understand. And I said, that's fine with me, but you need to call your, call your mommy and let her know. And apparently when he called... He called and said, hey, we're having a wedding at our house. And uh, so when I called her, she was, uh, well, I don't want to paint a, a weird picture or anything. She, did, she wasn't smiling, which you can tell. You can tell through the phone. You can tell if they're smiling or not. But uh, anyway, so we ended up having that, and it was cool. It was really neat. Um, the wedding in, uh, in Manhattan was actually on the, state of, or on the campus of K-State, and uh, you can imagine how popular an OU fan is on the campus. <laughs> And yes, in the wedding, I did make reference to Boomer Soon. No, I didn't. I'm just kidding. Um, that would have been cool. No, that wouldn't have been cool. Anyway, all right, well, we're going to look uh, at a couple of things today. We're going to look at uh, corporate prayer and uh, how prayer basically fits into the life of the church. Uh, but we're going to look in, uh, in the book of Acts. We're going to look at several things in the book of Acts. We're going to look at Acts chapter 1 a little bit, Acts chapter 2 a little bit, and a little bit in chapter 4. And uh, there's some really, really good stuff in there. And... Uh, have I, I don't know if I, well, some of you may already know this story, but um, hmm. Katie, my daughter, uh, she, uh, we, her and I were sitting in, a, in our living room, and we were um, sitting on the couch, we were watching TV, because, well, maybe why not, and uh, but Tana was at work, and uh, <laughs> so Katie and I were talking about how cool it would be to go to Disney World again. Uh, we've been before, but she was, I think she was five, she might have been five, um, and so there were a lot of things, of course, that she remembers really well, but some things that she couldn't do. And, uh, you know, like some of the rides she wasn't tall enough to fit on or whatever. Or not fit on, but get on. She probably could have fit. Um, but, uh, the, you know, just things like that. And she wanted to go. And so I said, you know, you should just call your mom and say, hey, we're going to Disney World. And so she did. She calls her mom and says, Mom, Dad said we're going to Disney World. And uh, then what developed after that was, well, I don't know whether to be proud of her ability to carry on an awesome story or if I should be nervous that a 12-year-old girl is so good at lying. Um, Hmm. But she uh, began to, to tell this story about how we had won tickets to Disney World. And uh, <laughs> I know. It was cool. And I was like, sweet. This is pretty cool. And so she's on the phone. I could tell that her mom is not really buying into it exactly. She's like, no, Mom, I'm serious. I'm serious. Dad won tickets. The guy came to the door, and, and uh, Dad had won some tickets. It was a contest that he had entered or whatever. And she's laying it on. It's starting to get pretty good. And I could tell she's starting to maybe kind of buy it a little bit. And I thought, you know what? We push this over the top. I run upstairs and email her and just email her real quick. And I said, hey, uh, I won two tickets to Disney World. And uh, all we have to worry about is how are we going to get to Dallas because everything's paid for from then. And who's going to take her because there's only two. And, uh, and I said, you know, it doesn't really matter to me. Oh, and we have to use them by the end of the year, which evidently pushed it over the top because she's like, okay, we'll talk about when we get home. Hangs up. I'm like, sweet, nice job. That's funny. Um, <clears throat> I'd kind of forgotten about it. A couple hours later, Tana gets home from work and she says, What's the deal with these tickets? And I went, oh, yeah. <laughs> so Katie starts in again, and it's getting even better. 
I mean, it is, <laughs> she is laying this on thick. And uh, so I thought, she might need a little bit of help here. So I did. And, I mean, we were just laying it on. And I started saying, you know, Tyler just got married back in, um, I think, July. And uh, they didn't have a chance to go on a honeymoon for money and also time and all that. And so I said, maybe we should give it to them. We should give the tickets to them so that they can go on their honeymoon and, and have all that. And Katie goes, no. I want to give it to them. And Tana's like, no, Katie, that would be a really good thing. And now Tana, this is funny. And, uh, and Katie's over there. You can tell that she's starting to get a little bit like, but she's doing really, really well. And, and the key to a con is not letting on, right? I mean, you don't smile and you just you carry it on. Well, she's doing pretty good. And uh, so then I start saying, well, it really would be cool, Katie. We should really do that. I said, although I'd really like to go. But you know what? If you want to take Katie. And so we're still just going on and on. A while back, we got Katie a cell phone because, uh, well, she was in volleyball and, you know, at school a lot and all that. And, and it was cheaper to give her a cell phone and get rid of our home phone. So we did. Uh, by the way, we don't have a home phone anymore. Um, <laughs> uh, so we did. And Katie's sitting on the couch, and she sends me a text. I mean, we were across the room. She sends me a text, and the text reads, um... Dad, we are still kidding about the tickets, right? <laughs> I was like, huh. So I just smiled and I said, hey, come here, Katie. I gave her a great big hug and I said, you started this. You? So then we had to let Tana in on it. She's like, I knew it. No, you didn't. You were fooled. So anyway, the secret, I guess, to uh, putting on a good con is not falling for your own, right? Um, I mean, don't do a con. That's wrong. Is that better? All right. Acts chapter 1, we're going to look in that a little bit. We're going to read verses 1 through 12. And, uh, you know, Katie got a lot of things from me. She got her sense of humor, maybe, or sense of sarcasm. Um, but she got her gullibleness from her mom. So just know. Just know. Uh, anyway, let's see. Where were we going to read? Acts chapter 1, 12 through 14. That's what it was. 12 through 14. And this is what it says. Uh, then they returned to Jerusalem from a hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and, and uh, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Um, Real quick, I just want to touch on that real quick. That last part, uh, they were together. They were gathered together along with the women. There's a lot of places in, in the Bible where it just says men and men and men. And, uh, and sometimes it really does mean both. And sometimes it really just means men. And sometimes you've probably heard people say, well, you know, the men need to gather together and pray. And that's true. But this is, makes it pretty clear that the women were very much involved in this prayer. Yeah? So I just wanted to touch on that for a second. Um, Acts, <clears throat> Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through... Um, no, that is wrong. What did I tell you? Did I say 1 through 12? I must have. All right. Yep, that is what we'll read. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were, st- where they were sitting. Then they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under the heavens or under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came um, 
together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears, us, hears them in our own native tongue? And then it goes on to list all the different nations and, and um, people that were there and then drop down into verse 11. Both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? And then one more, we're going to flip over to Acts chapter 4, and that's verses 32 uh, through 35. All right, and this is what it says. All the believers were in one heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own. They shared everything that they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And much grace was upon them. There were no needy persons among them, and from time to time those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone as he had need. All right. So those are the scriptures that we're kind of basing this off of. And each one of those passages that we read are part of, obviously, a larger context, larger passage. And each one of those that we read, we could probably spend hours, probably even weeks, really talking about all the stuff that's in there, all the amazing, cool stuff. We're just going to pull a few things out of those because there's some things that, are, um, that they all have in common. Uh, some of the things I'm going to list are actually part of um, the, what we didn't read, but it's right around there. Uh, so there are a few things we, we can pick out. Um, they were together in constant prayer. That's one of the things. Uh, the Holy Spirit came down on them with extreme power and caught the attention of those outside the building. When is the last time that Derby Church of the Nazarene spilled out into the community? I'm talking about we were in, we'd be in here and praying, and the apostles were in a, a building along with you know, the women, and they were there, and they were praying, and it got so loud because the Holy Spirit came down on it with such power that it caught the attention of those outside. Would that not be amazing if we were in here praying and we caught the attention of the people in the community? You know, there are prayer meetings all over um, America, really, where this is happening, where people will just literally be walking by and go, what's going on? They'll come in, and what happens? I mean, the, the church is praying, and people get saved. That's cool. Don't you think? I think so. And if you don't, well, you're wrong. Um, the people who witnessed what the Holy Spirit was doing uh, through the Christ followers were utterly amazed. Uh, Randy Doherty, when he was here, he talked a lot about that utterly amazed thing. It was good stuff. I'm not going to repeat what he said. Um, but it's, it's very true. The, they faced trouble, and they went back to prayer. Uh, they cried out to God with raised voices and prayers for God to give them boldness. The apostles, the guys who are already pretty bold, are praying for boldness from God. When I think about boldness, <laughs> I think about somebody that doesn't necessarily need to preach for bold, or preach, uh, pray for boldness. Uh, I think of Bill, right? Where's Bill? He's here somewhere, I think. Um, how many of you have ever talked to Bill for more than three minutes without him saying something about Jesus. Uh, this man, I've seen him. Um, <laughs> I've seen him approach people that he doesn't have a clue who they are. He's just met them, and he says, do you know Jesus? That's pretty bold. So for me, the apostles praying for boldness, that would be similar to Bill saying, I'm going to pray that Jesus will give me boldness because I'm just too shy to talk to people. You know, I mean, that's kind of what we're talking about. The, the apostles were extremely bold already, but they're praying for boldness. Um, so if they need to pray for it, I think we probably do too. Um, 
But they prayed for the healing of the sick. They prayed for miraculous signs and wonders through the name of Jesus. And, of course, they were filled again with the Holy Spirit and spoke with that boldness. Um, there, are, uh, there are lots of reasons you know, why we pray. Um, there really are. I mean, you could list tons of reasons. I mean, there's all kinds of reasons to pray. But, uh, and I'm very guilty of what I'm getting ready to say uh, as well, but if you look at your prayers, let's just say over the last two weeks, you look at the prayers that you've been praying, if somebody was to come in and, and kind of analyze it, you know, and, and say, well, I'm, I'm going to tell you what you prayed for because you prayed out loud and I heard you and I took some notes. Um, I think a majority of us might find that maybe 90% of our prayer was fairly selfish. Um, would you say that that is accurate or inaccurate? Would you go, nope, not me. I'm the exception. I am always praying for others instead of me. And maybe you are. But I, I know for me, sometimes I can look at, at the prayers that I'm praying and I think, man, that was such a selfish prayer, really. I mean, I'm praying for hair. I'm praying to be taller. I'm praying for... Those are private prayers. Um, but no, I mean, we can look at them and we can think, man, I, I was really selfish in those prayers. And, and so I think a lot of times we need to think about it. You know, what are we doing? It might be an interesting experience, uh, an experiment. Maybe, you, maybe you've tried it, I don't know. But maybe for the next two days... And, and by the way, there's nothing wrong with praying for yourself. Uh, great, awesome. There's nothing wrong with that. But when that dominates your prayers... Uh, I think we're, we're, missing, we're missing something here. Uh, but it might be kind of an interesting thing to do is maybe over the next day or two days or whatever that you make sure that in your prayer you pray nothing about yourself, about your own needs, about anything like that. And, and I think that you'll see some really cool things happen. I think that you might actually start caring a little bit more about the people around you. And I'm not saying you don't care. I'm not even saying you don't pray for other people. I'm just, you know, just some thoughts. And again, uh, I'm very guilty of it. So this morning, we're talking about prayer. Obviously, we're going to be talking about corporate prayer. Uh, have you ever heard the term corporate prayer? Yes, no. Uh, personally, I think it's somewhat of a misleading um, title. I think that community prayer probably says it better. Because corporate prayer, uh, if you've worked in the corporate world, maybe you do, maybe you did. Uh, when I think of corporate, uh, I hate it. Uh, because it's just what I think of are meetings, really. Uh, I think about just being in a meeting to plan another meeting type stuff. Um, it's not a, a pleasant thing. So when you bring corporate into talking about prayer, I think sometimes uh, it's misleading and, and confusing. And so really, community prayer would be the thing. But, but we know, obviously, that prayer is talking to God, right? Um, we are talking to our Creator, to our Savior. And that's, that's what prayer is all about. If you are married uh, and you decided that you weren't going to talk to your spouse anymore, okay? now the first day, you might enjoy that thoroughly. I would not. It would be horrible. But, uh, but over about, I don't know, six weeks or whatever, uh, what's going to happen to that relationship? Where's that relationship going to be? I'm talking about not even saying, hello. I'm talking about acknowledging them there and walking on, not saying a word. Where's your relationship in six weeks? How many trips to the hospital have you been to, fellas? Uh, <laughs> a few, right? How many frying pans are dented? Your heads and everything. But uh, if you did that, obviously your relationship would not last. It wouldn't work. Um, now, we're not married to Jesus. We're not married to God, but God is our creator. Jesus is our savior, right? And, and prayer is about cultivating that relationship. It's about growing in that relationship. Uh, and, and so if we're not talking to God, our relationship with God is going to suffer big time. Maybe we acknowledge him. Yeah, God is good. God is good. But we're not talking to him, right? And so our relationship is really going to struggle. So, so prayer is really talking to God. It's communicating uh, with him the things that we need to communicate with him. 
And, uh, but I, I think a major part of our prayers really needs to be prayers of thanksgiving. Can you think of, even just right now, even five things that you can be thankful to God for? Yeah? If you're having trouble thinking of things to thank God for, just look around. Um, just start with yourself. I mean, we're good at that, right? So start yourself. Start with yourself. Man, I'm breathing. I'm walking. Uh, I can hear. Uh, I mean, there are all kinds of things. Thank you, God, for giving me breath. Thank you for even creating me. Thank you that there is air to breathe. Thank you that I don't, you know, get shot at every time I walk out my front door. Thank you that I could come to church and, and uh, praise you. Thank you that I can talk about you in the mall. Some might get some goofy looks, but I'm not going to get arrested. I mean, there's all kinds of things that you can thank God for, yeah? And then you can move on to some of the bigger things, some of the things that, you know, good grief. I mean, there's so many things that we can thank God for. And so I think a major part of our uh, prayers really ought to be thanksgiving uh, and, you know, even praying scripture. You ever done that? That's pretty cool uh, to do. So if you haven't done it. Anyway, corporate prayer, uh, community prayer would be, uh, would be something that you would, might define as uh, where two or more believers in Christ come together for a common thing or in agreement with a common, with an expectation that God is going to answer your prayer. Not only is God going to hear your prayer, but he's going to answer it. Um, while it's not mentioned by name in the Bible, um, corporate prayer, it is definitely modeled for us, and especially when we talk about the apostles, the very stuff that we just read where they were gathered together and they were praying. Uh, the Bible says in, in Acts, it, it says that they were crying out to God together. Crying out to God. Um, when was the last time you were at a football game? Basketball game, um, and, the, and your team scores. What'd you do? Did you go? Oh, that was nice. <laughs> nice. Or did you go? Yay! Right. I would yell, but then you'd. Uh, so we do that. I mean, we know how to do it, right? Uh, but when's the last time you cried out to God? I want to tell you something, and maybe I shared this with a couple of you. Maybe I shared it. I don't, I don't know. But I, nobody else was here at this church. It was just me, and it was, I don't remember what time it was. It was, a, it was a time that I wasn't worried about somebody walking in if I was doing this. I stood right here in the middle of the sanctuary, and I'm telling you, nobody was here. And I did double and triple check the doors. I'm like, nobody's here, right? Is anybody here? Nobody. Then I walk in here, and I said, okay, God, for some reason I have trouble crying out to you. For some reason, I don't know why, but I have trouble really shouting out to you. So I stood right here, and I said, so... If this is what you want, if you want me to be the kind that, uh, now I have no problem, you know, shouting. I mean, I, I, I used to when I was when I was a teen, and I'd go to like uh, Wichita Wings soccer games, yes, Wichita Wings, and uh, and I would go to these games or whatever. I had no problem yelling and shouting and screaming and, and looking like a, uh, a idiot or whatever. And but but for some reason now, and when I go to football games or, or whatever, I will cheer when they score. But I, you know, I'm not going to get into that whole. Um, booing or anything like that. I, I don't know why, I just don't. Um, but here, I, I was standing here and I was saying, God, I, for some reason I'm having trouble just really shouting out and, and singing, you know, just like, no, I didn't sing. But I mean, just shouting. So I said, oh, God, if that's what you want, just help me to do that. So I stood right there, right in the middle, right about where uh, Al is, and, except I was in the middle, and I just stood there. I said, okay, and this is literally <laughs> what came out. I was like, love you. <laughs> is that good? And I was like, oh, I love you, Jesus. And I'm serious. I mean, I was having trouble yelling. I'm by myself. There's nobody else here. What is wrong? Why can't I shout that out? 
I got a little bit better. I got out of the sanctuary. I kind of went around here, and I started with this. Anybody here? God, I love you. <laughs> I was doing this. stupid, I know. You walk in, you go, uh, <laughs> what's wrong? Um, but I was having trouble really crying out. I mean, being loud and, and all that. Now, I don't know that we necessarily have to run around being super loud, but when the apostles are talked about here and they talk about crying out, do you think that they were going, Jesus? I don't at all. I think they were loud. I think they were loud. You ever been to a, an old, uh, old-time gospel hour type thing? I mean, you know, I grew up at the Nazarene Church, and, and when uh, on Sunday nights, some of those services get loud. Sunday nights used to be uh, at Westside when I was growing up. They were like the, uh, the songs that just went on and on. I mean, they were always singing uh, praise songs and uh, songs like, Man, the only one that comes to my mind is like, oh, happy day. Uh, Charlie Bowman would lead it, and he'd be up here just as annoying as anything. And, and he'd just be like, oh, happy day. And he's just going nuts. I'm like, what is wrong with this guy? Seriously. Uh, isn't the preacher going to preach? Let's just get on with this. I want to go home. But we'd do that. And then when uh, they would get really, really loud. And then prayer time, they'd come around the altar, and, and they would be loud. They weren't worried uh, about who heard them or anything like that. And it was really cool looking back. Now, at the time, I was like, Mom. Do we have to go to Sunday night church? Really? The answer is always, mm-hmm. Actually, it was a very solid, yeah, yes, absolutely. It's corporate prayer. When two or more believers in Christ come together, pray for a common thing and are in agreement. Matthew 18, 19, Jesus is talking to his disciples. He says again, um, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. Where two or three come together in my name, what's it say? There I am. Also, right? Are you with me? Yeah? So Jesus is saying, come together in my name. Whenever you are gathered in my name, I'm there. Right? So this is the idea behind corporate or community prayer. Uh, and, and these are the things that we need to be thinking about. Two or more believers in Christ come together in agreement, praying for the same thing at the same time, with all having the same expectation that God will hear and answer our prayers. We've been having a ton of car trouble lately in our house. A lot. And uh, although I would like to blame others, um, maybe not entirely true, uh, it just happens. Sometimes you have those trouble. I mean, uh, I remember Dave telling me about the Mustang. But you're like, got it fixed. <laughs> right? Would you like to buy a Saturn? Uh, huh. It runs great. Sometimes. And what happens is it's kind of got an intermittent starting problem. And, uh, and I'm being totally serious. You will go out there and you will start the car. It starts right up. You drive down the road, no problem. Months, years, whatever. And then you'll, you'll get in the car and you'll go to start it and nothing. And I mean nothing. And sometimes that was a problem with the key. The, apparently the Saturn keys kind of wear down a little bit. And they have this stupid little computer chip in them that it, it all has to work. So you go and buy a new key for like 20 bucks. Seriously. And uh, you put it in, it starts right up. Other times, it's not the key. I have no idea what the problem with this car is. I really don't. Um, Tana called me one day. She was stuck at Quick Trip down here. And uh, I think I was at home. I might have been watching TV. I don't know. I didn't want to be bothered, whatever it was. And uh, <laughs> she calls me. car won't start. I go, well, give it 10 minutes. Because literally, if you give that car 10 minutes, it'll start right back up. It's stupid. It makes no sense. Um, so I said, well, give it 10 minutes. And she did, and uh, 
Uh, she called back. I remember she called back again at some point and said, it still won't start. And I said, I didn't start the timer. Just give it 10. No, I'm just kidding. I said, well, just give it another minute and, and I'll start on that way. And so I grabbed, you know, some jumper cables and all that, thinking, well, maybe it's the battery. So I'm getting ready to head out. She calls back. She goes, hey, it started. I said, okay, cool. Bring it home. And then it ran great for, I don't know, three months, whatever. Never had that, that issue at all. It was weird. And then, <laughs> and this is the one where, you know, if you don't already know it, you'll find out I'm kind of a jerk. And um, she was at Westside. Her and uh, Katie, they were at Westside. They went to see Rolf and Debbie. Remember, they were here um, once, and uh, it was raining. <laughs> and they went out there to start the car. She calls me. She says, uh, the car won't start. I go, again, it's raining. And by the way, I didn't know necessarily that everybody else had left, so they were there by themselves. And I said, hey, give it 10 minutes. It's raining. No big deal. Uh, and 10 minutes later, she calls. It still won't start. And I was like, good grief. So I went there. And, you know, what am I going to do as a guy? What would any of you do? Give me the key. You put it in. Oh. Uh, they flip the key over. I mean, I try all this stuff. I'm basically trying to prove to her, <laughs> it'll start. You're just not doing it right or whatever. But it wouldn't. And that's, that thing sat there for like a week over there by Westside. I was worried they were going to tow it or whatever. And so finally go to get it and uh, ended up towing it with a... Um, with a trailer and all this stuff, and, and even getting it on the trailer was a pain. But it's just a pain of a car. I mean, it's horrible. But it runs great when it starts. I, it's stupid. But anyway, so recently she had this issue. Well, actually, it was uh, this time when it broke down at Westside. So we bring it home, and uh, I tried all kinds of things. There's, a, there's parts. Um, you know, I looked on the Internet and all this stuff. So there's a part that I, I replaced, and, and just all kinds of things. And it still wouldn't start. It just wouldn't do it. I did nothing else to this car. A month and a half later, I go out there because I'm going to replace a different part. I tried it. It started right up. I'm not even lying. So I said, go ahead and drive it. You're good. <laughs> and uh, she did. And then, of course, it started leaking antifreeze and doing all kinds of stupid stuff. So I went and got what I would call the redneck car lift. Twelve cinder blocks. Two planks of wood, and this was thought up by my dad, who's brilliant, but he hasn't seen it, and it does look very awesome. And uh, so it's in my driveway, and I started the Saturn because it started right up. I back it up. I line it up with the ramps. I get the ramps, and I've got the center blocks. I've got the planks of wood. It is lined up, ready to go. The only reason I didn't leave it running is because it's been leaking antifreeze, and what's going to happen if it's running without antifreeze even for five minutes? Who knows? The stupid car. So I get there. It's all lined up, ready to go. I get in to start it, and guess what? Yeah, you think I'm making this up, but it is a total truth. And uh, I may or may not have kicked it. Um, so I went out there, and I thought, well, I'm going I'm to get this thing up there anyway. So I was out there. I put it in neutral. I get behind it, and I start pushing it. Somebody probably should have taken a picture. I'm sure somebody called. So this, is, this is stupid. I'm trying to push this. So I thought, well, it didn't work. It, it stopped, and I couldn't get it up there. And I back it up. <laughs> I did. And I ran at it. That didn't work. And it hurt. Um, so then I thought, well, okay, I'm going to get the truck. So I got really redneck. I backed the truck up, lined it up. And I'm thinking, this, this is bad. So I went and got Tana because I thought, well, I'm going to need help. You know, somebody's going to have to call 911 or something. So she gets in, and, and I have her help. And with her help, I have her uh, make sure that the, the truck isn't going to crush the back of the car or anything like that. And I, I line it up, and everything's good. And it did a little bit of damage to the car, but who cares at this point? And uh, so I'm pushing it up there, and, and while I'm pushing it up there, I'm thinking, you know, this could really go bad. So I go, hey, Tana, get in. <laughs> I mean, to steer, to keep it from. Anyway, it worked. It got up there. Everything worked out great. I believe that my neighbors are petitioning for me to leave the neighborhood at this point, but um, I don't care. I did have a guy stop by and go, you know, I got 
like jacks. I go, how do you two? Leave. Um, but it worked. And so now the car actually runs again. I got it all fixed. It's running, except it's leaking antifreeze, and I can't find the leak. So I do have a Saturn for sale if you would like to purchase this car. Corporate prayer, and yes, there is a point. Uh, corporate prayer is two or more believers in Christ coming together in agreement, praying for the same thing at the same time with the same expectation that God will hear our prayer and answer. I needed help to get that truck, I mean that uh, car up on the jack, I mean on my redneck thing. I don't even know what to call it. But it works great. If you, Seriously, it, it does. And you're looking at me like, I'm not trying. It works. Uh, but I needed help to get it up there. I couldn't do it on my own. Corporate prayer is like that. Community prayer is like that. There are things that we need to be praying for as a church that we need to be coming together that the pastor cannot do on his own. There are things that we need to be able to do as a church that praying on our own isn't enough. Are you with me? You know what I'm saying? If you have a pebble in your shoe, how hard is it to get rid of? I mean, you take your shoe off, you flick it, right? No big deal. If there's a, a, a stone in your way, uh, you kick it, you move it, right? Sometimes they're a little bit bigger and they need a little help. What if there's a boulder? If there's a boulder in my way, can I do that on my own? Can I move it? I don't think so. So I can't move that on my own. I would have to have help. Corporate prayer is like that. Two or more believers coming together with the same, at the same time with the same common goal and the same expectation that God is going to hear our prayer and answer it. Are you with me? The Saturn is like that. Prayer is like that. So that's where we're at. Prayer works. And I told some of you a story here on a Sunday night about uh, being down at this prayer conference in, in Arlington. And they, they told the story. They have a prayer meeting on Tuesday nights. And uh, this prayer meeting is, is so wild that literally they are one of those churches where people are walking by and go, I wonder what's going on. Or they feel drawn to it. They're in the, the neighborhood. They're not in the best neighborhood at all. And people are drawn to it. They come in and people get saved at a prayer meeting. How cool. There was a, a lady that was there, and, uh, and I did tell the story, but I'm going to tell it again. And uh, she was praying because her husband uh, is an alcoholic and, and doesn't treat her real well and all that. And, and so they prayed. And, and when they prayed, I'm talking about the kind of prayer, and I know that some of you will know exactly what I'm talking about, uh, but it's the kind of prayer where one person is gathered here and, and they're praying to the point where they don't care what anybody else is doing. They don't care who hears them. They're down here praying. They're crying out, literally crying out to God. And there are other people that gather around them, and they're praying out, yes, Lord, hear her prayer. Yes, Lord, hear his prayer, whatever. And, and they're praying too. And they're all praying for the same thing. Maybe they're praying for salvation for a, a kid. Maybe they're praying because, I don't know, they need money for college. Or maybe they're praying because they're, they're sick. Maybe they're, Who knows why they're praying, but they're praying. This lady came because she wanted to pray for her husband. And they did. They all gathered around, and they began praying. And they began praying some cool, cool stuff. This pastor was praying uh, to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit would arrest his spirit. And that just means get a hold of, not let go. Keep a hold of it and get on him. And then they began praying something that I never ever would have thought of that was very cool. And they said, Lord, um, cause this man to vomit. I know it's gross, but cause this man to vomit until the taste of alcohol is not in his mouth. Do you know what that meant? What would you think that meant? You would think, well, he's going to puke. He's going to be like, I hate alcohol. And just like that, no. This guy would puke, right? And then he would take a drink because he puked. And then he would puke some more. And then he would take another drink. And then he would puke some more. And when this woman got home, literally, there was vomit all over her apartment. Now, how many of you would open that door and go, sweet? <laughs> or how many of you would go, I'm moving. This is disgusting, right? But this woman was like, yeah. And this guy's looking at her going, what did you do, woman? <laughs> he's puked everywhere. Well, what happened 
was just that. I mean, and she told him. This guy went with her to that prayer meeting and got saved. Now they volunteer at that church and all that. So prayer works, right? Corporate prayer, community prayer works. When you come together with a common thing, it works. In Luke chapter 11, uh, the, the disciples, Jesus has been praying. The Bible says he's been praying in a certain place. And uh, the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray uh, the way that John teaches his, his disciples. And then later on in chapter 18, Jesus gives them a, an illustration about the widow who was relentless with the judge and just kept coming back and nagging, basically, until the judge finally goes, fine, whatever, right? But Jesus is giving them the illustration or the, um, the parable. He, he's telling them this because he's telling them, Continue to pray. Always keep praying and never give up. What would Jesus tell you? Always keep praying and never give up. Always keep praying and never give up. How many of you have been praying for something for, let's just say, years? You've been praying for something that just isn't happening. And you think, God's not listening. He's, he's just not going to answer this prayer. What would Jesus tell you? He'd tell you the same thing he told his disciples. Keep on praying. Never give up. Keep on praying. Never give up. Sounds like an inspirational speech that a coach would give a football team. But it's true. Keep on praying and never give up. And that's what Jesus would tell his disciples. That's what he's telling us. Did you know that you actually can kind of affect God's decision making? Uh, am I getting ready to get into some weird theology? No, not so much. You can't change God's nature, can you? Absolutely not. I mean, you can pray for that all day long and... I mean, you're going to get the same uh, no, right? You cannot change God's nature. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, correct? Do we hear that in Scripture? Do we read that in Scripture? Absolutely. But can you change God's uh, mind? Can you influence God's decision? Can you do that? How many of you say yes? Okay. How many of you remember the story of, of Abraham um, when we're talking about Sodom and Gomorrah? How many of you remember that? Okay. Um, there was a, what it basically had happened was, um, that God had uh, gotten word and he decided he was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And uh, these two men, some say they were angels, some say uh, Moses, and I forget the other. Um, so there's a lot of argument, not even really agreement on who these two men were. The Bible says there were two men. Um, all we know is that they were definitely from God. And they'd come to, to Abraham and they told him, God's going to destroy this place. And, uh, and I want to point your attention to James five sixteen. The part that we always quote is the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective, right? And what you're seeing behind me is the King James Version. This is a very cool one, too. Um, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That just sounds awesome. But what we miss is the first part of it. Confess your sins to one another. Confess your faults one to another. And pray for one another that you may be healed. I find it extremely interesting that that's in the same verse. You know, it's not like we were reading it in another part, and then it comes along and says, oh, by the way, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective, or the fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Right? But we find out the same thing. Confess your faults. Confess your sins to one another. That means being humble with each other and telling each other, man, I'm struggling here. Is anybody in here perfect? Go ahead and shoot your hand up. I'll see it. Hmm. Right? So we all have stuff. Right? We all have something that's going on in our hearts and our lives, something we're struggling with. And we may not have just killed somebody. I mean, I know Tim did, but that's okay. Uh, we may not have done anything like that, but there is something that each one of us have that we're dealing with. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's selfishness. Maybe it's just hatred. I don't know. Maybe it's unforgiveness. Maybe it's something that we've got to let go. I don't know. But confess your faults to one another. Confess your sins to one another. And then 
we get to the righteous part. Yeah? Well, there you go. So, back to Abraham. Uh, it's found in Genesis 18, 20 through 26. And uh, I'm going to skip through this fairly quick. You take the time to go read this because it's really cool. Um, then the Lord said, the outcry against, this is in uh, verse 20, the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great that their sin so grievous that I will go down and see if what they have done is as bad as the outcry that has reached me. If not, I will know. The men turned away and went toward Sodom, but Abraham remained standing before the Lord. Then Abraham approached him, God, and he said, Will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there are 50 righteous people in the city? Will you really sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of the 50 righteous people in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you. Will not the judge of the earth do right? And then the Lord said, If I find 50 righteous people in the city of Sodom, I will spare the whole place for, the sake, for their sake. And then Abraham continued to ask for more. You know the story. He asked for 45. God said, okay, for the sake of the 45. What about 40? Okay, for the sake of the 40. What about 30? What about 20? Okay, for the sake of the 20, I will. Then, down in verse, I think it's 32, um, what does he say? We read this. Uh, then Abraham said this. May the Lord not be angry, but let me speak just once more. What if only 10 can be found there? And then God answered, for the sake of the 10, I will not destroy it. What we need to understand here is that Abraham was a righteous man, okay? Uh, some of us better not dare doing that. Are you with me? Abraham was a righteous man. He was obedient to God. Very obedient. So obedient, in fact, you know the story uh, of his son, how he was going to sacrifice his son. But God provided. And, and so if we look at some of the, the ones in the Old Testament, Jonah, when he heard from God, what did he do? He ran. What about Moses? Moses, great leader. But when he first heard from God, what did he do? He decided to argue. But when Abraham heard from God, he obeyed. That's important stuff. So what will you do? What's God calling you to do? What, what will you do when God is calling you to something? I believe with all my heart that God is, is starting a movement among his people, but I believe it's going to the Nazarene church. And again, Nazarenes aren't it, Okay. But it's going across the church of Nazarene. I believe that he's calling Derby Church of Nazarene and all Kansas Nazarenes to get serious about prayer in church, community prayer, coming together, praying for the same thing, same time, expecting the same result, that God will answer our prayer, that he will not only hear us but answer. Very, very, very important stuff. Oswald Chambers points out a few things in, uh, in his book that I totally forgot the title of had it until just now. It's a little white one. You, you recognize it? Sorry. Um, but Jesus taught his disciples to pray by modeling prayer. That's one thing. Uh, Jesus told the disciples to always be in prayer and to never give up. And then, of course, what we just read in James 5.16, that the prior, prayer of a righteous man um, is powerful and effective. But what's the first part of that? You've got to be humble. You've got to be confessing what we what we got going on. So, community prayer. Humbling ourselves before God coming together, praying for the same thing at the same time, expecting that God will hear us and respond. What are you prepared to do? Are you prepared to come together and pray? We've got needs in this church. We've got needs in our community. One of the needs in our church would be the children's department. You know, very, very big need. And instead of going, because you know what? Sometimes God is actually calling us to respond, right? Right? 
Because God is not saying, uh, Mary Beth, I want you to pray about this. Mary, <laughs> Mary Beth, this is what God may be saying. I want you to do this. And what do we respond with? Because I've done it. Oh, I've done it. <laughs> Paul, I want you to do this. Okay, God, I will pray that you find somebody. <laughs> no, Paul, I want you to do it. And I will pray. You want me to pray now? I'll pray now. But we do that. And so we use that as an excuse a lot of times. Well, I will certainly be in prayer for you, John, that you find the right workers. Okay, I appreciate that. And uh, you might be it. <laughs> right? So community prayer. Coming together. Praying humbly before God. Praying together with the same expectation that God will hear us and answer our prayer. you stand with me? Um, we're just going to have a word of prayer. I just, uh, you know, this could go either way. We could, we could come to the altar and pray. We could uh, think about this, work on it this week, but whatever. I, I don't know. I have no idea. But I do know that we're going to pray right now. And then we're going to sing. Let God deal with you. Let God deal with your thoughts and think about where you're at. Two or three. It doesn't have to be everybody all together. Two or three gathered in Jesus' name. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that we can, first of all, even come and and worship you together, Lord, and and not worry about uh, having to face any kind of persecution at all. But, Lord, I thank you, Lord, that, that you've given us prayer. Lord, I thank you that you modeled prayer. And, Lord, I just ask that you would uh, lead us as a church, Lord, and bring us together and help us to get this whole community thing. Lord, this Christian life, we buy into the con, just like Katie bought into with her own story, that we can do this on our own. But we need each other, Lord. We, we absolutely need each other, and we need you. But we need to be together in your name, crying out to you. Lord, I pray that you would just convict us to the point where we just can't get away from it. We have to come together. We have to put aside petty differences. We have to forgive each other. We have to confess our own things that we've done. Lord, we have to uh, get rid of any, any unforgiveness in our hearts. Lord, maybe we're mad at you for something, but Lord, just help us to get rid of all that stuff. Just help us to confess it to you and then point us in the right direction. Lord, where do you want us to go? What do you want us to do? There are others around us that have prayer needs, Lord. There, there's sickness. There's, you know job situations, there's problems with family. The Lord, help us to do what you told the disciples, which was never give up. Keep praying and never give up. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be faithful to you because you are so faithful to us. Thank you so much, Lord. I pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.